All right, thank you, Brother Mike. Certainly appreciate that. Appreciate the special music and the choir and the orchestra. And appreciate uh, Brother Schweitzer, beautiful song. And uh, what a great uh, theme already we have going here this morning. And uh, this morning, our pastor is not here. Uh, he is here for the uh, Heritage Baptist Church uh, of Willoughby Charter Service this, this morning. And I think some of the folks will actually be here tonight, and uh, we'll have a conclusion of the charter service. Uh, for those of you who weren't aware, we uh, planted a church in Willoughby, Ohio, and it is thriving. It is wonderful to see this. Last week, we had the uh, Get Acquainted meetings, just a way to uh, throw the doors open to the community, to let the people of Willoughby know that there's something happening at Heritage Baptist. It was just truly wonderful. I got a chance to be there on Monday. It was truly my honor. Uh, that was wonderful. Brother Tom is not here today, and uh, he's preaching for Brother Woven in North Columbus. And so, uh, so you got third string, string here today, so sorry to tell you. But uh, so very glad uh, to be here, and uh, truly my honor. And uh, if you don't like the message today, I assure you our pastor is much better than I am. So come back next week. That'll be, actually, come back tonight. He'll be preaching tonight. That'll be a blessing. Well, I'd like for us to open up our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and then we'll dip into Colossians chapter 2. I always liked when a preacher uh, broke through the chapter barriers. It's always kind of fun to do that. So we'll do that this morning. And uh, let's start in verse 26. Actually, let's start in verse 27. Verse 27, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we have something, I believe, from, for the Lord, uh, especially in regards to our revival services next week. I'd like for us to have that in the back of our heads as we consider what God has for us here today. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of, his, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the fact that the gospel wasn't just for the Jewish race, but it was for everybody. It was for Gentiles, Christ in you. Verse 28. Whom we preach, we preach Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, so of course we want people saved, but we want them to come to a state of maturity as they uh, near the end of the road for their life, uh, at the, when they meet the Lord, but also in this life. We want them mature. We want them to be perfect in Christ Jesus. Well, why? Verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So this is something that's very important to the Apostle Paul. Chapter 2. For, in other words, I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many and as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. All right, in the same way that you got saved, you walk by faith in the Lord. 
You called upon the Lord, no doubt, if you're sitting here and you're born again. There came a point in your life where you understood that you were a sinner. You were a sinner that was deserving of death and hell. And you cast your faith, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believing in the resurrected Son of God, and you got saved. Do you remember that day? Wasn't that wonderful? It was a wonderful day. Well, sometimes as Christians, we have all the faith in the world to get saved. It's wonderful. But afterwards, we have a very uh, almost overly practical existence. We kind of rely on our know-how. And yet what God is saying is this. In the same way that you got saved, I want you to walk by faith. I want you to walk as a Christian by faith. We're going to unpack that here today because the Apostle Paul names off four different symptoms that people experience when they are not living in revival. When, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a chink in the armor, so to speak, that there's something amiss that's going on, that a Christian who is, is born again, blood-washed by the royal blood of Jesus Christ, and yet there is a peace missing. There are four different symptoms that this passage indicates to us that perhaps we are not walking by revival, and those symptoms we'll be unpacking here today. I have a title for this message that I'm very proud of, and yet it's probably not as good as the second message, and I think you'll see why. The first one I'm quite proud of. As we talk about these symptoms for revival, consider this. Log in to your My Cleveland Baptist My Chart. Log in to your My Cleveland Baptist My Chart. I'm sure you heard of My Chart if you're living in Cleveland. It's about our biggest export is our healthcare. And probably all of you, if not enough of you, have a my chart with Cleveland Clinic or some sort of similar function with UH. All right, I'm very proud of that title, so you'll just have to give me an attaboy for that one later. The real title for this message is this. Symptoms for Revival. Symptoms for Revival. And with God's help, I'd like for us to consider this idea. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your mind today, for your ability today. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that uh, not only that you would help me as your preacher here today, that we would accurately and effectively represent the word of God, Lord, but that you would fill the hearer. Lord, that we would be with one heart, with one mind, Lord. We would allow the word of God to uh, richly dwell in us. Lord, that we would allow the word of God to touch our soul. And Lord, that we would draw corporately near to thee as a church, Lord, and as individuals, Lord. And we ask for this in Christ's name, amen. I'm sure you've heard of my chart. It's really a, an amazing thing. It's really an amazing thing. Uh, it's a personalized and secure online access to your medical records. In fact, uh, it's something you can schedule appointments. You can even meet doctors on there. Uh, if you have some sort of malady, you're dealing with a head cold or a flu, uh, rather than, than go to the urgent care, you can actually go one-on-one -on, -one on some sort of iPad or your phone and be checked out by some sort of doctor. And you know, these days... Uh, if you're a guy sitting here today, probably the last thing you want to do is go to a doctor, am I right? Uh, not because doctors are immoral, not because anything like this, just as men, we don't typically want to go. But whoever the healthcare professional is in your life, if it is uh, uh, this way or that way, as a parent, I've begun to appreciate a little bit more the protocol that you experience when you do go to a doctor's office or some sort of healthcare professional. I'll tell you what I mean. As kids, they have four kids that are five and under, 
And from there, you become just a little bit more concerned about their symptoms and the things that you deal with and the things that they're experiencing. They might be pulling on your, their ear. Well, what might that mean? An ear infection. Or they might say, I feel stuffy. Well, they might have a head cold. Or, you know what, my, my, uh, my head hurts or my neck hurts. Well, maybe they have a sinus infection of some sort of thing like that. And I've begun to sort of appreciate just a little bit more the process. And the process looks something like this. You take the patient, you look at them right in front of you and observe the symptoms that they have. It could be that they have uh, an, uh, some sort of uh, runny nose uh, or red eye or an ear infection or something like that. And then you begin to work backwards. Then you begin to ask the questions. Well, is this happening in your life? And what's your diet like? And they ask me, unfortunately, that a lot. Then they arrive at a conclusion. Well, it seems that you have high blood pressure, or it seems like you have the flu, or it seems like uh, you could stand to lose a few pounds, something like that. And as we sit here, no doubt this process was probably inspired by the scientific method in which you make a guess, you observe the evidence and symptoms, and then you work backwards to a cause. You work backwards to a cause. The Apostle Paul lays out a fourfold symptom that points to really a lack of revival within a believer. Uh, really something that points to the believer and says, well, perhaps you need to work on these things. You see, the Apostle Paul says he's deeply concerned. Verse 1 says he has great conflict. And he lists off some spiritual symptoms that, when observed in reverse, point to a cause. He addresses this, this uh, sort of uh, assessment to a group of people. The Colossian church, for one. The Laodicean church, we see. And the Bible says anyone who hasn't seen the apostle Paul's face in person. Take a look at verse 1 again. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So the letter is initially written to the Colossian church, but it is also with the Laodicean church in mind, and anyone who hasn't physically seen the Apostle Paul, just by a show of hands, has anyone here broken bread with the Apostle Paul lately? No? Just as I thought. And so this letter is for you and me. Now, wouldn't it be something if on the Cleveland Clinic or whatever case may be, there was a, in, under the My Chart login page, there was a tab for spiritual issues. Wouldn't that be something? And it offered up biblical answers. It would say, well, if you're experiencing this, well, then potentially you're dealing with this. And if you're experiencing this issue, then, well, potentially you're dealing with that issue. And wouldn't it be something if, Today, as the Holy Spirit takes upon us like a, like a type of spiritual stethoscope and he looks into our hearts and says, perhaps it is us that are also dealing with these symptoms here today. Do you need revival? And what symptoms should we be looking for, at least according to this particular passage? Number one, symptom one, a lack of comfort. A lack of comfort. Take a look at verse two. The Bible says, that as he addresses this letter to these particular people groups, he says that their hearts might be comforted. You think about what comfort means. Comfort is a wonderful Bible word. It really is. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter, that he is somebody that we can go to for our pain, for our struggle, 
for the things that we deal with day in and day, lo- and day out. And maybe you think of uh, your, your mother growing up. Perhaps she has like that warm voice that a mother would have. And whenever, it just seems so strange when you were four and you were three, whenever you hurt yourself, who did you go to? Did you go to dad? Did you go to mom? You went to mom because she had a type of comfort with her voice. There's something about her, or maybe as I think as our pastor said, kiss the little boo-boo, something like that. Great comfort. The Lord is telling us there is opportunity as a saved person to experience comfort. Why would he say, if you lack in comfort then, why would the great conflict be that, and a burden that they were experiencing comfort? I want you to consider the things that dwell in the hearts of believers. Number one, by reason of indwelling sin. All of us probably have some sort of hitch that we're all still dealing with. Uh, perhaps it is a thought life, or perhaps it is our words, or perhaps it is our need to tell the truth, or whatever the case may be, or perhaps it is just simply and, and plainly just a lack of faith. We don't simply live our life by faith. But all of us have this sin that we still deal with day in and day out. It's not that we can't conquer it. It's the fact that it's still there. But then there's also other things in life that we deal with, temptations of Satan himself. Well, perhaps we think of your, your workplace, or maybe there's somebody in your work that persecutes you day in and day out. It is the stress of your job. Or maybe there's some sort of family issue, and, and, and as families grow, the opportunity for tension to grow does too, doesn't it? With a greater and a larger family uh, creates greater opportunity for relationships. Maybe there's problems within your family, and that persecution comes that way. But there are other sorts of lack of comfort, What about when God feels like he's hiding his face from you? It feels like you're praying and yet for some reason, God isn't answering. It feels like you start to ask the Lord some different things and it seems like he's telling you to wait and yet it comes by way of silence. And yet, there are other ways that we lack in comfort. Perhaps it is just some sort of affliction that you have. You know, the affliction of our bodies certainly can stress out any man. Maybe if you lack in sleep or you struggle to sleep, Or perhaps you have some sort of malady that tends to keep you up at night. Or maybe you have some sort of headache that comes in and out whenever the weather seems to turn. That certainly can afflict our own well-being. Or maybe by reason of false teachers. Somewhere along the way, there's another preacher you like to listen to online. And he has a conflicting message with the pulpit of this church. And that can certainly cause great stress within the eyes and mind of a person. Or with other people that greatly trouble them or an unsettled mind, or a weakened faith, or even the Christian that struggles with doubt and different perplexities of this life. He sits there with a lack of comfort. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is if you're sitting here today and there's a lack of comfort in your heart, and that's pointing to something, you probably need revival. Symptom two, a tear in loving fellowship. A tear. I want you to see verse two that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the warp and woof, which perhaps you've heard that expression before. It is a term in, uh, in, for weaving. The warp is the thread that runs lengthwise. The woof is the, th- the, the thread that runs across. Well, that's kind of interesting that we would be knit together in love. I find that very fascinating. So the thread that he's talking about is the one that goes up, and the one that goes sideways. Well, that's certainly indicative of our love that we're supposed to have for our Lord and our love that we're supposed to have for our fellow brother. And when there's a tear one way in there, when we are not knit as a church, 
when there is a, somebody in church that you just can't even stand to look at, or if there's somebody in church that you look across the way and they just seem to rub you the wrong way, when their name comes up, you bristle for some reason. My friend, that is time for revival. And the Apostle Paul is concerned about that. He says, well, it's not just that they're lacking in comfort, but they have to be knit. They have to be knit together in love. And if our vertical relationship is not quite right in, light, in, in love, and if our horizontal relationship is not quite right in love as well, then perhaps we too, perhaps we too need that sort of revival. Yet there is another symptom. Verse two again. The Bible says this, and unto the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, excuse me, the full assurance of understanding. A lack of assurance, a lack of assurance. So there you are, you're a believer. And maybe you're not struggling necessarily with comfort. You're settled in the love of God. And you're not struggling with perhaps the need for to be knit with your brothers and sisters in Christ or to be knit in love with your father. That's not really your struggle. It's something else. Oh, it's something that's actually a, a, a unique and frequent tool of the devil. It is a lack of assurance. That, that doubt, that struggle to wonder what's what really is jarring. Now, I've probably mentioned this before, but I myself have dealt with with a, a lack of assurance from time to time. And in the end, I just took it to how simple the gospel really is. The, boss, the Bible refers to Christ as the simplicity of Christ, of how simple indeed it is to be saved, to understand that we are sinners in danger of punishment and casting our faith and trust on the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, we have plenty of Christians who have a lack of assurance in their heart or in their faith. Or, or sometimes it's like they doubted the gospel for some reason. Or perhaps worst of all, a lack of assurance of their own salvation. Oh, they've called upon the Lord five and ten times in one week once. Or they called upon the name of the Lord hundreds of times in their life. And yet for some reason they can't connect the two. That God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. You shall be saved. And yet there's something that we're holding back. It's that lack of assurance. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's not saved. If a person is not saved, then certainly they need to get saved today. But I am talking indeed of the Christian who sits back and, and sits in a service and, and all of a sudden they hear about uh, some preacher or some evangelist who preached for 30 years, and all of a sudden on year 30, I realized I wasn't saved. Look, I'm glad that he got saved. I really am. But that doesn't mean you're not saved. And that doesn't mean that when you called upon the name of the Lord when you were a child, that you didn't authentically get saved. And yet we have plenty of Christians today that lack an assurance. It's like a, it's like a lack of joy that it robs them of. You know what that points to? Symptom three, a need for revival. And yet there is one more and maybe the most abstract of all of them, and let's just call it a lack of great Bible doctrines. You know, this word mystery is sort of a peculiar word in the Bible. It refers to all sorts of things that God could reveal to you, and only God could have revealed them to you. Because why? Well, they were mysteries before. The Bible says this in verse 2 yet again. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. This really probably would be its own lengthy study, but there are certainly many mysteries in the Bible. Let's just call them Bible doctrines. Well, there is the Bible doctrine of the kingdom of God, the Bible doctrine of the gospel, the Bible doctrine of Christ, 
the Bible doctrine of the bodily resurrection, the Bible doctrine of his will, and the Bible doctrine of Christ and his church. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is if you're kind of lacking in these areas, like you don't know your Bible as well as you should, and I'm not telling you, promoting myself like I know my Bible, like I should. Well, it's pointing to revival. We have a fourfold, uh, fourfold assessment of our spiritual behavior. Maybe you could sit back and say, I think I'm doing well in all four. I think I'm doing all well in all four. Or maybe one of them has probably gotten you in some way. So we take a step back, and as the Holy Spirit begins to examine our souls, we wonder, why is it that the Apostle Paul is in great conflict over this? Why is it that he's in such great conflict? Take a look at verse one again. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Great conflict. You know, a man was very sick, and doctors feared the worst. He is at home one day, resting his head, and he looks up and says, is my wife here? His wife replies, yes, dear, I'm here next to you. The man says, are my children here? He says, yes, daddy, we're all here, say the children. Are all my relatives also here? And they said, yes, we are all here. The man sits up and says, then why in the world is the light on in the kitchen? You know, it's funny what stresses us out. It's, it's funny the things we have great conflict over, the things that jar us. You know, it's, if it's not the economy, it's, it's a political unrest. Or if it's not just old-fashioned health, it's some sort of financial issue. Or maybe these days, you walk into a business and everyone seems understaffed. Maybe that puts you in a great conflict. And the list goes on, and the list goes on. And one day, somebody might not text you back, and that will put you in a great conflict. Why are we so conflict, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily? You know, the Apostle Paul is taking a personal stake of presenting people perfect in Christ. Can we say it like this? People that are actively living in revival. You see, revival, I think, sometimes needs some definitions. Sometimes we hear revival, and it sounds like the overt, incredible, and providential things that God does maybe in a community. Maybe you've read of these historical revivals. They are wonderful. God can do them, and it is exciting when they happen. But you know, revival actually is even more simple than that. One man places it this way. Revival is normal Christianity. Revival is living out your, uh, your God's will in your life. The Bible says that he would give you life more abundantly. That's revival. That you would draw near to God and he would draw nearer to thee. That you would live and bear fruit for the Lord the, the Bible says the peaceable fruit of, of joy or love, joy, peace, long-suffering, in accordance with Galatians chapter 5. That's revival, living out the joyful Christian life. And isn't it something today that Christianity feels like a system of chores rather than a lifestyle? And you know, I've often asked myself this question. Have I made Christianity attractive for other people? I don't mean like, did I dress up my best, or what, did I have proper lighting, or did we do this, or X, Y, Z? I'm talking about, did I come off so negative 
before people, that it made Christianity just seem like some sort of passing trend. Come on, Christianity is supposed to be joyful. Christianity is supposed to be a way of life and that you enjoy what you're doing day in and day out. And you know what's become? A drag. I mean, Christianity, oh, it's one of those Christians, here we go again. Or we're not allowed to do this anymore. Or we're not allowed. I mean, you should see these people. I wouldn't want to be a Christian when I hear some of these people talk. I mean, what's so good about it? Well, here's a couple things. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who answers prayer. You have a God who saves your soul and anyone who asks him. You have a God who developed a church where you can have a, a actual social community. You can go in and go out of and they pray for you, intercede for you, and love you. It is wonderful being a Christian. And yet, in our day and age, just feels like a drag. Just, just a, a, a wet cloth on everything. So what's the cure? What's the cure? Take a look at verse six. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. In other words, hey Colossians, hey Laodiceans, and anyone who's never seen my face. In the same way you got saved, by faith, he says this, so walk ye in him. So walk ye in him. Take a look at verse seven. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, it takes faith to be rooted. It takes faith to be built up in him. It takes faith to be established in him. It takes faith to receive teaching that you didn't know before. It takes faith to somehow abound with thanksgiving when you don't feel like being thankful. I get it. This life can put you in the dumps. I get it. And yet, you know what the Lord is telling us? Be thankful. I mean, enjoy. It's not saying don't be crazy. You know, the next time you slam your hand in the car door, he's not asking you to thank God for it but just rejoice in your life by, by faith, by faith. So, so here we are, and we're receiving this assessment. I was like, well, yeah, I don't always have comfort, spiritually speaking. I'm talking about my physical comfort. And yeah, I, I just have a lot of doubts. I'm lacking in assurance. And I guess I could know the Bible better. And, and you know, there's just some people that just really get under my skin at church or just some people that really get under my skin that are my neighbors. Oh, they just, ugh. Well, is your horizontal and your vertical relationship knit together in love? Because if it's not, brother, we need revival. Well, who is affected? Well, notice these groups that he says, these are so fascinating. The groups that he addresses, he addresses the Colossians. Well, in Colossians chapter one and two, he refers to them as saints, which means they were born again. But he also refers to them as faithful, that they are faithful people. So it's like a church. A church is filled with people who are saved, and it is also filled with people that are faithful. So you realize the difference there is that to be a man of faith is one thing, and to be a saved person is, is also like a secondary thing. I'll give you an example. There are two people that are going to go to heaven. The person is saved, and the person who's saved, and also day in and day out being faithful. Brother, they both go to heaven, and they're both at the same church. All right, so 
it is true they could both potentially experience the same problem, a need for revival. What about the Laodiceans? Well, I don't have to spend a ton of time on the church of Laodicea. I'll let you kind of look into it. But according to Revelation 3.15, it says that their works were neither cold nor hot and that they were lukewarm. They were unaffected. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it refers to them as being past feeling. That, that nothing really rattled them. They were just, they were not too angry, not too sad. And I mean, they weren't passionate about anything. They weren't, they weren't hot. And brother, they weren't cold. And it's a church that was like that. I'm not saying we're like that. I'm talking about the church down the street. I'm not saying here. But, but according to this, it is possible that a need for revival occurs with people who are saved, people who are typically faithful, and people who are lukewarm. And the Bible says individual Christians everywhere who haven't even seen Paul. Now you can see this revival business is a pretty big deal because it's not like we're asking for these incredible works to take place where all of Cleveland to get saved. It'd be wonderful if it happened. It'd be wonderful if everybody in Cleveland got right with the Lord. It would be wonderful. But do you know what is, what is more logical and, and actually equally biblical? If we as a church and as individuals experience that very revival, how? Well, brother, the same way you got saved by faith is the same way you what? You'll walk in him. So today, walk in Christ. Walk in the Lord. Walk by faith. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye, walk ye in him. Now, maybe somebody sitting here would say, well, I mean, that sounds good. That sounds wonderful. But why? I want to see something that's found in verses 9 and 10 that really is startling. Take a look at verse 9. For in him, that's Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That word Godhead means trinity. It means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what it's saying is, in Jesus is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this is jarring. And ye who are saved are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You ever feel incomplete? You take a step back, you're like, well, just, I'm not having one of my days. And every once in a while, I get ready in the mirror. And I'm like, well, brother, this is about as good as it's going to get. You know, this is, like, this, is, this is where we're at. You might feel a little incomplete. You know what the Bible is telling you and me? When you got saved, you became complete. Now, I know your flesh is not redeemed yet. And I know that we're going to, this, this, uh, this body is going to put, this corruption shall put on incorruption. I know, and I'm excited for those things. But brother, that's a whole nother idea. Right now, you are complete in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Complete. Now, what does that look like? Well, I am by no means a handyman, uh, but I am working to become one. You should ask me to do your plumbing. It'll take me about two weeks, but I can put you a new sink. But it'll take me two weeks. I'll probably invite some friends over for some consultation, but I, can, I will do it for you. I will. Just give me two weeks, that's all. And let me invite whoever to your house. Uh, but uh, earlier before the summer, I started working on our attic to make it a playroom uh, for my kids. And uh, I've been saving 
supplies and money for it for uh, uh, nearing two years. And uh, just sort of putting stuff I find, I, I put it, and my wife is killing me because our house is destroyed with all the stuff I just find and put it in, in safe spots. But in youth ministry, the, the summer really gears up. I mean, it really gears up. And it goes into major overdrive. And from there, I purposely took a break uh, from putting it together, just because I just didn't have the time to do it. Well, the school year started again, and one thing I didn't account for is now having a kindergartner in the school, which has been wonderful. But for us, it's been, we're still adjusting to it ourselves. We still want to make sure we're getting everything squared away. I'm not putting too much on my wife and that sort of thing. So I promise I'm going to finish it. It's not complete. It's not done. I was going to tell you that right. I mean, you're like, we saw the breadcrumbs where this was going. It's not done. It's not. But prayerfully, one day it will be done. One day it will be complete. And it would be useless if nobody goes into it. I mean, even if we didn't use it for storage space. If all of a sudden you paint the walls, you put a new floor in, you put up some new drywall and and, and throw the mud down and, and try to, to whittle that down to give it a smooth finish. If, if, if all that effort you put into it, all of a sudden it's complete and yet nobody touches it. Nobody goes up there. Nobody plays up there. Even my wife refuses to put old clothing in there and all that sort of thing. If, if it's not even in use, well, then nobody walked up there. It was never, it was never actually in use. And what the Bible is saying is, you are complete in the Lord. You just have to walk there. You just have to, Bible says, so walk ye in him. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you're sitting here and, and you lack comfort, there's a good chance you need revival. And if you're sitting here and you lack assurance, brother, if you were to die today, you don't know where you'll go, you probably need revival. And, and if you don't know some of the core Bible doctrines, like the church and salvation and the gospel and, and, the, and, and God, and all those things, those core doctrines that, are, that we introduce to people upon their discipleship into Cleveland Baptist. If you don't know those things, there's a good chance you need revival. And brother, if the last time you trusted God was at salvation, well, it's time to walk ye in him. Walk ye in him. The Bible says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. My friend, if you're sitting here and you need revival, how about we experience revival en route to a revival meeting? I mean, the week before. But we, we just take care of business. Because I can't remember the last time I went to the doctor and he says, you are doing great. <laughs> Way to go. Like, what are you doing? Oh, man. That, that morning, two donuts, Doc. It's, it's put me over the top. I can't remember the last time the doctor complimented me. I can't remember that. But I do remember some symptoms he might have pointed to me. I said, you probably should work on this. And so my friend today, you might be living in revival right now, and if you are, I'm not trying to get you out of it. But if you know you're not, why don't we make use of the altar here today? Let's all stand. Let's all stand as we close in a word of prayer.